0: musicians having coffee and talking about stuff and i'm neil morse and this is mr randy george hello how's it going sir
1: oh i'm i'm good i'm good
0: brother It's going going good, good. man good yeah yeah it's a beautiful day here in nashville oh yeah you're yeah. out there outside of phoenix is it amazing yep
1: well i've been swimming since the first of april every day oh wow yeah, you get quite the pool and the well, and it's not, jacuzzi. It's not, even, it's not even a heated pool. I mean, well, I can. I mean, it, I got a pool heater. but I never use it. The sun heats the pool. Oh wow! You know,
0: yeah. Well, it's, that's great. It, that's it,
1: yeah. That's what happens out west. That's the way I get. I and I get good pool time all the way from April through September through the end of September.
0: Well, that's great.
1: So that, that's a nice. That's a nice pool season. It's yeah, nice. we have a little.
0: You know, not like a built-in like you guys. Well, you know, oh, we've got a little, good. you know, our little pool out there, but I haven't been in it. Say, you know, because it's cold enough at night that it keeps that thing pretty cold. So I haven't been in it yet. Oh, you got one too! Look at that. Yep. Is that from John? Yeah. Is that John Fiola? Fiola? Fiala? Fiala. Fiola. Yeah. John Fiola. Thank so you, John. Yeah, John. Awesome, dude. Next time, put a handle on it, though. <laughs> oh, always a critic. I'm just sitting here trying to drink and it's really hot. It's like Well, I guess he likes me better. Mine got a handle. That's how you know. Yeah,
1: well, I want one of those. I want a big one. Make me a giant one, John.
0: <laughs> I don't know if he listens to these, but he'll probably get the message somehow. Well, something tells me he'll be listening this time. You know what I've been thinking about, Randy, which is so cool. Uh <laughs> we can talk about the album now. Because How's that? Because it this won't air till uh, June, and uh, the, the announcement for the album will have been made. So we can You're talk sure freely, we can speak really? freely. Okay. Yeah, I you know I'm, okay. I'm 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 so not naturally secretive that it's really hard for me. I've I've gotten better over the years, uh, but I used to be terrible. I, I used to be one of those people like, if you want something kept a secret, don't tell Neil. You know that kind of thing. You know, I'd just be like and I just blurt out something and everybody would look at me and I'd be like, Oh, was that a, oh I'm sorry. I guess that was a secret, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, well, that's happening so, there now. So with with all these recording projects, you know, there's this and I don't you know, it's not like a big deal, I guess, but it it's more of a marketing thing. Like mm-hmm. everybody wants to everybody wants to announce at the same time. True. So that's why we can't that's why we don't really talk about or divulge things too early because uh Well the Internet know. has a way of, you know, taking that
1: kind of thing and running with it. And yeah. So by the time somebody else gets ready to announce, everybody's kinda like, Well, that's not what I heard. <laughs> you know? Or it's old <laughs> then, it's old news already, right? Old so, news and, and yeah. it's and it, by that time it's probably fake news too, because people will make up other rumors they've heard and add to it. Yeah. So well, okay, good. Um, well, then uh, the new album. That's, uh, yeah, great.
0: yeah. Uh, so uh, I just shot my video footage, but it was it's fun to do it together. Even then, you know, it's a lot of work. Don't you feel? Well, yeah, you got to learn the song. That's the first thing, you, gotta it's to even, the song. you know, it's even harder for me, uh, yeah. especially for a solo or something. It's even harder than uh, practicing for a gig. Because I ha- you have to learn to play the thing exactly what you played. And I, I almost never play exactly what I played on the record. You know, I mean, I, I get close. Yeah. And, and, and the truth is, on the videos, I never play, never make it. I'm terrible. I'm surprised Christian, uh, Christian Rios, who does our videos, I'm surprised he hasn't disowned me. I, I'm terrible at actually being really spot on about it. I try to make up for that by smiling a lot. Oh, I do the same thing uh, and I have little little riffs and things that I throw in. Sometimes
1: they're just instinctive. I'm not even thinking about it. So, yeah, I've got to go back and listen for all that cuz if I want if I will think if I think one will be featured, I got to make sure I'm doing it. It looks yeah. like I'm actually. It's got it. it's got to look a thing. right. It's a thing
0: to to lip sync basically.
1: It really yeah. is. It,
0: yeah. Yeah. So well, and the, the funny you, thing you, is uh, like everybody knows that that's what's happening. <laughs>
1: Well, that's why I don't care.
0: <laughs> yeah, but but still, it, it it you feel really lame if they cut to you and you're not really. Even though my guitar isn't exactly. even my guitar isn't even plugged in, right? So they, can, they can all see that.
1: you got to do it for eight minutes, and then you only get like short, a few seconds at a time that they even show you. Right. Half of the stuff you had to learn and play right and look like you're playing right never even gets used.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's why I love it when he sends just a punch list of, uh, you know, I need this 20 seconds. And this, that's what he did for the transatlantic stuff. And yeah. that was, that was really nice. I, yeah, it's yeah, it goes a lot I, faster. You know, I, even in my own videos, I've started doing that.
1: Uh, like the making of, it's like, I, I actually film myself sitting here tracking most of it. And then watching it back, I'm thinking, nobody's going to want to watch this. It was boring, you know, it's like you play a few notes, you fiddle on the computer and you go back, you play a couple of notes, you fiddle on the computer and there's no continuity to anything and it just doesn't work. And I thought, well, in the end, how much am I going to really use of me doing anything? And so I figured I'd wait till I got there, figured out what it was I was going to show myself doing. Right. Let's do that.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of a nut because mainly, I guess, because I can and it doesn't, as you know, uh, and it doesn't uh, It doesn't cost anything. Now, you, don't, you know, you don't even have to have buy tape. You know, it's all just on the little SD card. Mm-hmm. And so I just set the thing up and push record. And it, so if someday people want to see the reality of how I made this record, they're here, it's like, I shot so much stuff for sologratia Gratia, for example. You know, and a lot of stuff for yeah. Transatlantic. I mean, I figure, why, why not have it? It's better to have it just in case... You know, there's maybe there's some clip that will mean something to somebody someday. You know, what about the? How dumb am I that this la the Neil Morse band the uh, the last record? Now we can say the title "Innocence in Danger." Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our Our new album, uh, the mm-hmm. making of that's going to come with the uh, deluxe edition. It has a lot. I think a lot more really good stuff largely because i got a headphone box put it in here and we recorded the audio for like almost all the writing sessions
1: yeah that made a huge
0: difference how yeah, why, why hadn't we always done that no that's the first time i've ever done that right right well and so we're, we've been we're always filming that. in there but all you can hear is the drums mm-hmm. bashing or you know a bunch right. of people talking randomly you know now to have yeah. all that audio and it was so great while we were making the record too because there was a bunch of times when we forgot what we would played or you know right. i i and threw out a song idea from- and then when we came back to it i was like what did i do and i try to recreate it and you guys were like no that's not as cool as what you did let's go get the you know so we got the sd card out of the zoom recorder Brought it in, put it in the computer, and listen back. Oh, like, oh, okay. I mean, it was really useful for so many yeah. things. I can't yeah. believe that it w- I waited till I was sixty years old to actually do that. I should have that for every album I've ever made, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it really helps the making of because you know you can follow the storyline much better with all the context. You got musical context for everything. Now um, it, it was a double-edged sword because. I don't know. I couldn't find video for, for more than half the audio we had and then I couldn't find audio for a bunch of the videos. So I it was trying to trying to get it all to like oh where is this at, you know, and it was a little bit of a challenge. It took a lot more time to do that. We got to figure out a better way to catalog the audio. You know what you need to do? You know what, <laughs> you, know you, know what you need to, need to get? get?
0: You yeah. know what you need to get? We need to
1: get we need to get a half dozen cameras just mounted around the studio, all brought into a central yeah processor that keeps them all lined up and uh we've talked about that for about 100 thing. years but it put it put an audio feed into it so it records an audio feed and and it syncs up with the video and it all you know but naturally yeah. we don't want to spend tens of thousands of dollars to get a system like that well but we would talked about not. it
0: and it's, it'd be quite in, it'd be a really involved thing and still, somebody would ha- somebody would have to be looking after it. Oh, by the way, the you know what you need to get is a inside joke of uh, uh, Jerry Guidros has said that for years to me about things. You know, he'll just say, "You know what you need to you know what you need to get." And Jerry's you know the high end professional that he is. Everything that he thinks you need to get is like super expensive. It's like the top of the line thing. Yeah. you know, yeah. it's like you need to get like you know. 20 Apogee converters, you know, or something like, yeah. So I, I always, it's, a, it's been a running joke forever because uh, when his friend George came over to wire the studio, I made, I mentioned something about that. Cause he said, you know what you need to get. And I said, yeah. <laughs> and his friend George goes, he says that to you too. He's been saying that to me for years. <laughs> so He, like, he, he's, he hasn't singled imagine, me out. At least I know that. Can you imagine Jerry, you know,
1: letting him loose in Rich's studio saying, you know, geez, Rich, you know what you need to get? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in Rich's case, it would be like everything, but, uh, but it's funny. Cause Rich is the one that, you know, mixes the albums and, and it's because of all that ancient, you know, jerry-rigged <laughs> stuff and he makes it all
0: work somehow. Yeah. You know, to still got like a, you know, that, that uh, the thing that he does, He's got this graphic equalizer that he's just looking at you know how it's going sonically uh uh-huh. um, that's sitting up there, and it uh, it is actually radio Shack, I think you oh, know it's yeah. like it's like like a really low end it's just super some of the stuff he has in there is funny, and he
1: loves it. he's just like, oh yeah, that's my yeah, I got that at Radio Shack about twenty years ago. I don't know it works it yeah. I, it works for me
0: right, yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> It's like well, whatever you're doing's working. So, yeah, yeah. I got nothing
1: to say about it. Yeah, the except, new album you know,
0: sounds great, man. What, what do you What do you want to say about it? Is this the album that you have always wanted to make with the Neil Morse band?
1: Um, well, I I think it's it's a great album that uh, was a collaborative effort. I think we we arrived at some really great moments as far as the uh, as far as you know taking things from different guys and trying to work it all together, sew it all together. It just all seemed to really flow very nicely uh, coming from each guy, you know, this piece or that piece. And we made it work really well, I think. Uh, Oh yeah, me too. It's amazing. And that we we got a nice cross-section of, you know, the popier, shorter songs, The slightly longer, more proggy songs, and then the epic stuff. Yeah, and we managed to really just create a very nice cross section of things. Some of it sounds like us. Some of it sounds like us just doing something we haven't done before. But it all still sounds like us. There's nothing we can do about that. And uh, nor should we.
0: The reason why uh, I said is this the album that you always wanted to make with the band uh is maybe for three reasons um one i think you've wanted to do more variety this has a lot more variety i know you've said that many times like man let's do some different stuff you know and so this this album has that for sure Mm um uh two it's it's more collaborative and i know that you've wanted that um and three it has a lot more of your ideas (laughs) And
1: what's funny is I spent probably the least amount of time putting stuff together in advance than I ever have, Um, largely because I think I would try to put stuff together in advance and try to complete it, you know, as a demo um, in order to give it, you know, a full, like, here's the whole idea. But I think over time, and even Bill had mentioned this, that we've learned that it's better to just bring in little pieces that will they're like the seeds that will sort of spark what gets written yeah seems to seems to go a lot further with us yeah it, it, we're not we're not the kind of band that oh i love that song you know it doesn't matter how good the demo was we ultimately deconstruct it and, and rebuild it you know in a
0: so, somewhat different way you know for better or for worse it's but, like uh, the, it's like the flying <laughs> the flying colors thing for me yeah. i learned that it was better to not bring any anything in that was completed, yeah. it just worked better. And yeah. also, I was less I was less attached, you know. Right, uh, right. The, there were times when I was like, "They're destroying my song, ma." You know that kind of thing. <laughs> well, you have to. If you I really felt really want... that way so many times. If not you really, really with them. Are... I felt that way in many different bands, you know. But it's yeah. it's all it's all come it always comes out great in the end. Yeah.
1: Um, well you you have to learn to let go of the emotional attachments to what you do if you want to bring it into a collaboration. You have to. You you can't come into a collaboration and then not be willing to let go of you know emotional attachments to yeah. it because it's not it's not fair to everybody else. Because here you're saying here's something we can do, and everybody feels like maybe they want to, you know, put their their five cents into it and you're just saying no 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 you can't buy into this you got to take it as is you know and that's i don't think that's you're not going to end up with as good of a result i think if you have that attitude uh plus i think that it's really easy to get um well like carrie liverman used to say you get demo love where you're just so used to hearing it the way you've done it that you can't even fathom that it could be different but and then it won't sound Right to you, the first time you hear somebody do something different, you're immediately going to be, oh, it doesn't sound. I don't know if I like this, but you know, if, you, if you're yeah. not attached to it, and you just leave yourself open to it, and then in the end, you look back and say, wow, well that turned out really cool, you know. I
0: guess it's so, the same yeah, with it's, 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 it's the same but, with performances, you know, with uh demo love. You know, sometimes you'll fall. That's what's great about with the computers is, you know, you can very easily use use things from the demo phase you can fly them over you know um
1: Mm
0: -hmm. which is which is really nice you know i i even did that in the old days with two tape machines because there were certain times when i just couldn't get the vocal uh, as as you know how i wanted it and i really liked it on the demo and i you know so you just had Mm -hmm. to fly it in you know but uh Yeah, I really like this new record, too. I didn't come in with anything and, uh, you know, anything pre-written. But there's, you know, a lot of stuff happened. A lot of stuff happened, man. A lot of stuff happened in the the mornings, you know. The
1: best part about it was that we would take a piece, um, like Do It All Again, you know, was a a good example where Bill had some pieces that were really cool and we used them but then you have to go somewhere with it you have to write the thing we're not we're not bringing in i full ideas you're bringing in just bits and pieces leads you to okay now where do we go now what do we do and you uh, invariably you end up writing in the room and writing on the fly as a band which would be great if you could write the whole album that way learn it and then record it but um we're sort of Bridging some of that
0: by doing that, or even or even go and play it live. Uh, John Anderson was telling me that uh, for the Yes album, he was like, "Let's write a bunch of stuff and let's go and tour it." Like they they went and played it live for like two months in little in little clubs back then. You know, that
1: was that was that was a standard practice back then. Even a record label if they signed you, assigned you a producer, you know, say you know, come in, write your songs. And then they throw them out on the road and make them go out and play the songs for a while before they actually recorded an album. Yeah, that was kind of standard practice back in the early seventies. So
0: yeah, that's why I said this
1: was kind of a this was kind of we kind of bridged the gap a little bit this with this album because we had so much that we had to write on the
0: fly and in the room. Yeah, Yeah. that that was really cool. Probably
1: some of the best stuff.
0: And we were just going for it, and we were going to have. It was going to be a single disc for sure. And then we were, we were going to, um, you know, just take the, what what we felt was secondary. We were just, you know, we were just doing whatever. Oh, let's write this. Oh, let's write this. Oh, let's record this. You know, just kind of going boom, 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 day after day. And then uh, we got down to the end. And I was really, I really, you know, I've left much of this up to other people. You know, Mike and Bill, in the end, were listening to everything. And it was like we didn't have any really much of anything that we wanted to put on the bonus disc. And then, but there really wasn't quite enough material for two discs. And that's yeah. when I think it was Mike and Bill had the idea to take that little bit that was left over from Similitude, was it?
1: No, The Great Adventure. Uh way it had to be. Yeah, we wrote that in the the that couple of days we were there before we went out on the August run for similitude.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Remember, we did and the then we did course. Morsefest. We, we wrote uh, fighting with destiny. We wrote uh, you had Vanity Fair. Mm-hmm. We, uh, I know there was one or two others. There were five things that we did in that session, and right I think four, four of them ended up on the great Great adventure, but for some reason that one got overlooked and uh, never got used. And so yeah, so that was cool. That and and man, did Eric really kill on on that? His just
0: his vocal on that was just killer. Yeah, I went to cool. sing it and went, I can't sing this. <laughs> 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 I was planning on singing it right because right. I had <laughs> sung it at the demo sessions, but when I really dug into it, I was like, oh no. Let's see how Eric sounds on this and he sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He really he just really his voice is something's happened to his voice. He's just really his voice has just really
1: expanded a lot. He's really coming to his
0: own. I wonder if it's him doing all these those covers that he's been doing. Like I <laughs> it's it's almost like he's discovering, hey, I can do anything.
1: Well those are pretty <laughs> amazing too. I know. <laughs> Seriously, you know, he's singing "Dream On," and it's like he's an—he's an amazing guy. It's just like, wow. well, and he's doing all the instruments too. And I know I have people saying, "I just can't believe that kid." You know,
0: yeah, he's he's, his cover uh, video just We insane. are so—we are so very blessed to have him. Yeah, what a band, huh? Yeah, what
1: a group of guys. Yeah, I think about that constantly. I'm always thinking about how fortunate we are that we've got five people together that work together as well as we do, right? The music that we do and that we can actually take it around you know, the world and play it for people without being pigeonholed into, oh, this, you can't play to do this because that's not the kind of band you are, you know? It's like, well, you know, we can pretty much play anywhere. We don't, you know, we're not pigeonholed into being any sort of, bad other than a progressive rock band, of course.
0: Right. Uh, yeah.
1: if we really wanted to, we could do a, a straight ahead rock album and it would probably be great too. You know, we're, we're certainly capable of doing anything we set our minds to, but
0: yeah, it might sound strange, but um, at this time in my life, I'm actually thankful that I never had any big hits. Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you're saying. Cause we're not a heritage act. Like we're, when we go out, we play our new album and that's what, the fans want to hear for the most part you know you don't have the sense that when we tour like you know i'm sure the heritage acts that everybody knows you know everybody's just waiting for their hits really and right. nobody really wants they throw in maybe oh here we have a new album out and here's a few songs usually the audience is like snore snore and then they play their hits yay you know i mean that's just the way it is and Of course, it's, I mean, that's great too. Anytime you're playing music, that's great. But I'm, I'm just, uh, I mean, of course, it would be nice to have more people at the shows. Heritage acts will probably have a lot more people, but I am thankful to, uh, you know, be doing material that's like fresh and viable and, and, uh, you know, musically, musically exciting. I think it would, it would get tiresome. I think playing the same set, you know, like, like I had a taste of that when I was in the Eric Burden band. You know, we, uh, we did the same set for, like, nine months. And I, made, I remember making a suggestion that we swap out, like, one of his hits for one of his other hits. Just one, like, swap out, you know, just alternate on alternating nights. And I remember Ainsley Dunbar saying to me, I don't know, I'm, I'm just really getting comfortable with the set the way it is. He, he was just getting comfortable it been like nine months. I've heard yeah. that one before. Yeah, yeah. Some so guys they, they really get settled in, you know. <sighs> yeah, because you know, basically, he doesn't have to
1: learn another song. Yeah, you know, that's usually <laughs> yeah. what, it, that's it's usually what right. it boils down to.
0: Yeah, those so songs. Are, to learn those songs are to really hard, man. Those are really difficult.
1: The worst thing that can happen is if you get a hit song, is it's the only one you ever have, and then you sort of you can become branded a one-hit wonder if you can even be branded that anymore, you know, cause there's so many different artists now, but, uh, I don't know, you, you get a hit and then you like, you never really can regain that again. You never get back to that place. And for some people it's hard to recover from that because they just never feel like anything they do adds up after that. Yeah. I don't know. It could be, it can, it could be psychologically, uh, a challenge if if
0: something like that happened. I've seen that a lot.
1: And uh
0: Well I don't know. Randy, you and I will never know what that's like. (laughs) Most likely anyway. Barring some sort of barring some sort of miracle.
1: I don't really care. You know, I, I I I really feel like uh what what's what's been probably the greatest aspect of what we do is that we've never Compromised, sold out. Uh, we've always been able to be true to who and what we are, and we do stuff that nobody in their right mind would ever think of doing because it's just crazy. Uh, which is probably why we don't have more people in the seats. But nonetheless, I, I think there's something there's, there's there's something to be said for just you know, knowing that we did it on our own terms, and and we were able to continue to do it. They, they kept the fans kept us going. And and we're able to go around and do what we do. And, and it has a positive, such a positive impact on the people who really love it. You know?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that in itself is more valuable than a hit song to me.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, for me, it's all about, like, is God in it? You know, I mean, right. um, well, and, he, and just the, yeah. like the way this album happened, the way it all rolled out, to me, it was just... It's just one of those things where you know, yeah. you just yeah. know with all of our albums, really, um, that the Lord was at work in it, and so then you know He's going to work uh, in the listening and and all of it, and that that's the most important thing to to me. In the Neil Morris band, you some of you may know, but some of you may not know there there's there's a, there's a certain divvying out of tasks. That goes on. Uh, Mike looks after after a lot of the marketing stuff, which he does also for other bands of his. Um, And Randy uh, obviously does the making of's. But you also look after a lot of the tour dates and things, a lot of the touring stuff. How did that
1: how did that happen? Uh, How did that
0: fall? How did that terrible gig fall on you?
1: <laughs> I, I guess I'm just uniquely talented. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, the,
0: well, the funny part is I can tell you feel responsible. Like, so if the, he's not the Randy's not the agent, he's just sort of like you know dealing. Well, with, no, dealing with no. The agent. I, it, it started that way. I did. I was the agent when it started. I really? was booking
1: dates. Yeah, I started out booking dates directly. Oh my! Most, most of the similitude dates I booked. Oh, and I, then I remember I, that. Then I went to the agents to fill in the gaps and to get cities that I had no no leads in and uh so initially yeah before that I had been just trying to book the dates and, and deal with all of it and then uh then yeah then the agents uh came in I had them come in and fill in all the holes that I couldn't fill for that was mostly in the similitude uh run oh, I didn't and remember. of course by the grand grand by the great adventure I was like you know, just too, it was just too much for me to deal with. And so I just, that's, we. and we found a couple of good agents to work with. So um, it was just better to let them just do their job. They be able to put together something a little bit better anyway. So it was your uh, fault.
0: Well, it's always my fault, I suppose. (laughs) No, we we get booked into some place that maybe we get there and go like, oh, wow, they don't have a drum riser or, oh, wow, this is, we don't really, you know. We're not <laughs> Well, I think in the Sometimes past it's been Randy easier. would take it pretty rough. Like if they had a narrow, you know, too weird of a backstage or something They're like, "We're getting out of here. We're not playing here." <laughs> like what are we going to do? Um, we have the whole band and crew in a bus. Or we're going to just and like, tickets sold or it's going to like we're just like, going uh, to you know, leave. Uh, you know,
1: it's you, tr- you do your best to vet the places that you're going yeah. to play. Make sure you're not going to run into that. And which isn't going to happen again because this time, you know, every venue is being looked at a lot more carefully. The stage uh, specs are looking, you know, are being looked at a lot more. And uh, you know, City City Winery was one of those places we played. And after we played there, it's like every city winery in the country wants you guys. It's like, but we don't want to play at City Winery, and not that there's anything wrong. It's a great little place. But their stages are a little too small, but you can't even put a drum riser on the stage. And Mike, you know, Mike isn't gonna stand for that. He wants, you know, he wants, we, we set a standard for ourselves. We should stick to it. It's not like, you know, the, we've, I've had promoters say to me, oh, you guys can do it. Oh, you, you've done it before, you can do it. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, we can. not We've changed what we do and we've changed the way we do it and this is what we need. These are the things we need. And if, if it's not there, then it compromises the show to a point where it's not really that much fun for us to do. We're not giving the audience as good of a show as they're entitled to. And certainly that, you know, the standard we set at the beginning. And there's a lot that goes to that. It's easier for a promoter to say it because he doesn't care about whether the stage is adequate for us. All he cares about whether he can fill the room. And needing a bigger stage right. means we need a bigger room that he knows he isn't going to fill. So it's going to cost him more for the room. He's not going to get as big of a turnout as
0: he would want for that particular room. But stage is right for us to do the show. Right. But the the so it's, deal it's is, the deal is with, with City Winery is that everybody I know really likes to see shows there. They like to get served food and served, you know, wine and stuff and be all comfortable while they watch a show. But our music is rather... Especially the concept albums and things. There's there's a lot of very high drama. There's, there's these very dramatic moments, you know. And so yeah. some, you know, a waiter will come up like right when I'm singing the solo, really heartfelt part about the father and son or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, hey, can you pay your bill? bill. Uh, you got a you know uh, a double chubby chuck and a Mexicali chili barb. Can you pay for that? <laughs> That's from American Graffiti, <laughs> yeah. by the way.
1: No, but the city wineries have been. I mean, they're all right. You know, we've 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 had. Uh, they've treated us well. They're a good venue. I'm. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Sure no, I, they're, they're, not, they're bad really about nice, venue. Actually. It's just that our stage show required something a little more than what they were able to accommodate. The problem is, is that when you're doing a big bus tour, sometimes if it's the only venue available on the date you have to be there, you're just stuck. You have to make the compromise because you can't afford to not do the show in that city on that date. Yeah. Otherwise you're gonna have a day off somewhere. If you have a day off, you're strictly paying for it. Oh if yeah. you have a show, even if even if it's not the most optimum show, at least you're paying for the cost of actually being on the road.
0: Yeah, the cost of being that on the is- road between bus and personnel alone, I think, is around four to five thousand dollars a day. Right yeah, I mean, people
1: don't get that. yeah if you, for us to pull up in front of your venue to do a show, it costs us out of our pockets, you know, four to five thousand yeah. dollars., and if that's, not more. That's not even expensive. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, right. you see a band who so have got a crew bus, then a the bus for the band, and then all the gear rides in trucks. yeah, so you've got four or five vehicles that you gotta fuel, have drivers for. Insure.
0: Yeah, you have to you be know. on a different level, really. It's an,
1: yeah, it's it's an insane business when it comes to the expenses of touring, and we're doing on on a very, you know, slender budget in in the most compact, like the bus in Europe last last in the Great Adventure, you know, where all the merch got stuffed in the back lounge. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, the, I do. The bus was the trailer was overweight. We didn't have enough room for everything we had. Somehow all the merch got shipped at once to the same place. And the bus driver's trying to load it all. It's like we usually take the merchandise and have enough shipped for five shows to one location. Then we have another five shows worth. You know, so you're picking up merch two or three times along your route. You're not taking it all at once. Oh, which I, is, didn't, I didn't know that. Well well, that's what we've always tried to do. Mm. And this last time that didn't happen. Mm and it all got it all got shipped to the backline company and they loaded it all on the bus all of it for the entire run. We never do that.
0: All I, the main thing oh. I remember about that was that I was reading uh, I was really enjoying reading the the original Count of Monte Cristo on that tour. <laughs> so I was in my bunk reading the Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, was, it, was it, it was a pretty it was a nice tour, man. It was the weather was yeah. nice. Yeah, it was Yeah, lovely.
1: well, they're getting better. We're getting we're getting better at being able to vet we need plus a lot of the agents you know from what i'm being told is that that a lot of these promoters were happy with the numbers and so there a lot of them are being more accommodating now and they now that they know what we need and what we do you know they're finding venues that work better for us and seem to work for them so i think you know you know it seems like you know we're on the a little bit on the upswing in the touring thing at least that was right up until the pandemic hit. But right. I think that's a minor setback in the grand scheme. I think that things will get going again and you know we'll return to so. a, yeah. you know what we what we used to do and uh yeah. So, yeah, I don't think the US run's going to be as big this year as it has been in the past but it's it'll still be a decent run and we'll pretty much hit every area of the country at some point. So, it, it might be a little might it might be a road trip for some fans if – they want to see us, but they're used to that too. So,
0: what about uh 70s television and pop songs? It's great. I've been watching, uh, I've been watching Emergency, really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah,
1: yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Dr. Brackett, and
0: Dixie, yeah. Uh, oh, and man, I haven't Hart. gone back that far. I've been watching some X Files from the 90s. Oh, yeah, it's funny. Like, yeah. I was watching this episode, and Jack Black is like the secondary like not even the main guest star like yeah yeah he's like the second yeah, it's funny guy. it's funny you're like
1: looking at somebody thinking is that is that so-and-so and it's like oh my gosh this look how young he yeah. is yeah before we were anybody
0: yeah it's fun catching up on that stuff randy sends me obscure weird what was that weird thing Son of Blob? He sends me DVDs of
1: Son of Blob, yeah. Really it was a movie from 71. It was
0: pretty much I'm pretty sure those
1: guys either bought that film equipment themselves or rented it or whatever and just decided they wanted to go out moving. Why say those guys? It was Larry Hagman and Burgess Meredith and another guy whose name I can't remember. And they decided to make this movie, you know, called The Son of Blob. They wanted to make a sequel to The 1955, you know, Steve McQueen version. And, um, yeah, they uh, just probably went out and sort of shot this thing by the seat of their pants. But they managed to get like Dick Van Patten and um, Robert Walker was uh, the kid that was running around. And oddly enough, Randy Stonehill and Larry Norman are running around. There are a couple of the hippies in the gang there. Uh, Larry Norman doesn't have any speaking roles, but Randy Stonehill does. He's playing guitar in a big sewage drain because he's digging the vibe of the tunnel, you know, the reverb in the tunnel. You know, these cops come on, what are you kids doing here? Oh, no, they're just playing guitar. And the cops, yeah, get over here, you know. And the blob comes down and gets the cops from behind. It's <laughs> it's so it's crazy stuff. It's
0: crazy. Uh, like, it's just so bad that it's it's really funny. I mean, and oh, it, yeah. it, it's, it's almost brilliant. like they didn't, they didn't even have a script, like they were just... Right, right. Just sort of... And,
1: and it, you know, it's something like that's just going to be the most awful thing you can ever imagine ever having to watch. Or somehow it just comes together as a uh, brilliant work. It just it was fun. I watched could, it in the RV. You couldn't reproduce it if you tried. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's shot entirely by the seat of your pants. And so all the results they got were spontaneous and in the moment. You know, yeah. you can't prepare for some of that stuff, It you just have to wing it. And that's they did a lot of that.
0: <laughs> it was terrible, actually. It's it's one of the worst things. It's it's one of those. It's so bad, it's funny. You know, it's it's right. so bad, right. it's great kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the guy kept they kept running over the guy. the The
1: guy had a this, this guy had a SUV, an old blazer, and he had all. Cases of pop, because he was the bowling alley manager, and so he had all the cases of pop for his bowling alley and stuff. And he had them all stacked by his car. And the kids were, you know, freaked out from the blob. They come around the corner and run over all this pop, and and he's all mad. And, and so the entire movie, he's trying to get these kids, you know, the cops to do something about these kids who destroyed his soda pop. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: <laughs> and, really, uh, really,
1: it's just, really just kind of there's just all these little subplots going on at the same time that that just keep resurfacing and then it worked somehow in the end it just all like
0: wow. Yeah, I wanted to talk about was when you uh so Randy called me to play on it it was very soon after I quit the bands. But it been 2002? And you called 2003 and you called me and wanted me to guest, I, we had never met and you wanted me to guest uh do a guest spot on your solo album or or was it an Agalon album? One of, one uh, of your it was the
1: Agalon album. And I was also putting together that first CPR sampler, uh, which we really wanted to have a song from Testimony on it. Uh, But initially, it
0: was to get you to sing on the Agilom thing. Um, Yeah, and uh, and you just said very boldly, um, "Hey, I play a little bit of everything, and I know that you're, you know, you just had this thing with the the bands. But if you need any players, man, I'm I'm totally into it." And I remembered that, and uh, then I contacted you about being uh, in the testimony band, right? Is that how it happened, or?
1: Well, the conversation was, uh, you know, we it steered toward testimony. You had just finished it, and I knew you were basically putting together a band to tour. I think I had asked you how that was going, and you had mentioned, you know, well, I'm not really doing auditions, I'm just sort of praying, you know, about it, and yeah, you know, trusting the Lord to bring the right people, and, and at the at that at the time we were started into that line of discussion. I didn't know what you were looking for. I didn't know what 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 you needed or where you were at in the process. You had said, "Well, we have some guys," and and, and finally you said, "Well, I guess the thing we really need is a bass player." And of course, you know, me being the bass player, I was like. bingo you know there we go yeah (laughs) Uh, i'm a bass player you know that's probably i'll be able to bring the most to the table as a bass player even though i can play guitar i can play keyboards but um i'm probably you know more technically a bass player first uh amongst all that and uh so you sent me a copy of testimony to see if i liked it and uh then i sent you the agilon material to see, so you could you know it was one of those things well let's you know send the music to each other see if we want to do it and then uh, and i think that the most important thing um, for you at that time was you were really looking for guys who shared your faith yeah and you really wanted people who shared your faith uh, a part of the band so that was a big, a big aspect of it. And we had, I think, a number of discussions on, uh, just in general, on, on faith and whatnot. And in a, through a series of two or three more phone calls, we had established that, you know, yeah, you know, this, this can happen, I can do it, I can be out there, uh, I'll come out. And then you acquiesce to do the little bit of on the Agilon album. And the CPR in, uh... thing didn't come to later because I think at first you didn't really quite get what we were doing and, uh, but you finally were part of that. Once we were out on tour, we talked more about that and stuff, but, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it happened. Just called you out of the blue. Yeah. Hey dude, I'm a bass player. You need a bass player.
0: So yeah. I'll be out yeah. there in September. <laughs> you were, uh, you were living in Seattle and I, and hey. I had, I, I wasn't, I think the first thing I did, I was just sort of testing the waters of playing live again. I hadn't for a while, and okay, I, you weren't
1: even sure how it was going to go.
0: Yeah, and I and I I had something called the combo band, which was just a sort of smaller version with Mark Lynegar on drums, I think. And I remember you flying, uh, not flying, you drove out all the way out from Seattle to audition, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I felt kind of funny about that. I was like. I remember I was talking on the phone going like, are you sure you want to do that? I mean, I don't know if it doesn't work out. What are you going to do? And he was like, Oh no, no, I don't mind. I'll drive out. And, and, um, right around that same time, I was put on voice rest by the Vanderbilt vocal clinic. I went down there cause Rick Altizer told me I was looking for vocal coaching to, so I could, you know, just last longer on tour and whatnot. And, uh, I went down there and they put a scope on my vocal cords and put me on vocal rest for two weeks. So when you arrived, I couldn't talk. I was writing right. on a yep. on a magic a nice eraser boy. pad. Yeah. And uh, so Randy walks in and uh, plugs in and plays down the overture from testimony perfectly. And I, thinking I was going to be really funny, I held up my... Uh, board and I wrote, "I hope you have enough gas to get home." <laughs> and I held it up. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody and it- in the whole room looked like they were just like they'd just been stabbed in the stomach or something. Everybody was just like, "Oh,
1: yeah,"
0: like they were in pain. I was smiling. I I, I was like, and I had to write, "Joking, you did great," or something like.
1: And well, I, I and I didn't catch it because I have terrible eyesight. So I, I didn't actually see what was on the board at first. Oh, is I that right? I, but I saw everybody else's
0: reaction to it. Right. And I'm like, what did I miss? Yeah, you. Yeah, you look. You had this t- look on I your miss? face, like, like you just been crushed. You know, that was funny. Well,
1: that was my reaction to everybody else's reaction because I didn't. Oh, find that's funny. So you couldn't read it. I didn't see it. I couldn't tell what it was. You 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 flashed it, and then but you know I I was I'd have to like get closer to see it. But anyway, it was. You have to
0: get very close. This is the way Randy reads things. He gets. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. this. (laughs) The other funny thing (laughs) I remember usually looking
1: out underneath my glasses. Right. I got my glasses on, and then I'm I'm looking underneath because I can see better close up with no vision correction. I'm nearsighted.
0: Yeah. So the, other, the, other, uh, the other funny thing that I remember from that was um it was pretty fresh after leaving the bands and and uh we in in the rehearsal room here we uh we did June. And it just really touched my heart, you know, and I was just missing the guys and just feeling emotional. And so we finished the song and I started crying. And it was a really awkward moment with all these new players, you know. Like what do we say? You know, Mark Lineker said, man, I don't blame you. I'd be crying if I was playing with me instead of Nick too. (laughs) You remember that? Yeah. (laughs) Mark. It really broke it. It really, it was really nice because you know, humor, there's nothing like humor to fix a really super awkward moment.
1: Oh, it's okay. You know, I think to me it was like heartening because you felt it so deeply and you didn't have any problem expressing that. And, and that's a wonderful thing. It's an honest expression. Uh, and, you know, we know, I, you know, it's understandable, you yeah, know.
0: It was a very emotional time, yeah.
1: I, I'm totally understandable because they were great bands and there were, it was great stuff. And man, I was like, wow, you know, what a, what a thing to... I was pretty brave. It was a brave thing. You took a big step in faith. Um, and it worked well, out. You. I think you did. I think, you, I guess you did what you had to do at the time. You know, there's no, what you should have done. It's, there's only
0: what you do. Yeah. There's no what way you should know. have
1: done doesn't exist. There's yeah. only ever what you do, Yeah, what you should be or what I should be doing or what I should become or where I should go. doesn't matter. It only matters what actually happens. That's, that's all that matters.
0: Yeah. that's all that you, you can really well, grasp. I'm,
1: your mind around.
0: I'm so thankful for, where god's brought us to randy that he
1: wow well you he know put a us a together. he brought you, you 18 in 18
0: years yeah it's crazy right
1: later yeah yeah, yeah and, yeah. and a, i mean it was an answer to prayer for me i mean as early as 1999, 1999 listening to Simpty for the first time and uh when you know that was a fairly new cd for me and a uh, fairly new album and all the spock's beard stuff was fairly new I think up to that, up to the point Symphony came out, the only Spock's Beard songs that I'd ever heard were Beware of Darkness and Walking on the Wind, which somebody sent me on a cassette tape with a bunch of other progressive rock bands of the era. Um, because when I got signed, you know, Agilon got signed by Rick Wakeman to his label, you know, all of a sudden it was that whole fan. Now I'm in front of a much greater group of fans out there. And so you got people, hey, Randy, I could send you a tape of like all the new progressive rock bands and stuff. I, mean, I don't know if you've heard a lot of these guys. I'm like, no, you know, I'm not really familiar with the new, you know, this genre of bands. I see names floating around, but I don't really know these bands. And he said, oh, I'll put some stuff together. And he sent me a bunch of cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. And so there was two of those Spock songs on one of those. And and I remember listening to him, Oh, this is pretty cool stuff. I was surprised. I thought maybe the vocalist would have a higher voice for some reason. I didn't think he would have the range where you're at, which, which is, which is really cool. But, um, I don't, know, for everybody else you know, got vocals of trying to sing like this, you know, up in the, up in the rafters with their voices and stuff. Right. The other, there, there's two other albums that really struck me from all that stuff he sent me. One was an album called, uh, back in the world of adventures by a band called the flower kings. Yeah. I fell in love with that immediately. That was like my favorite thing out of all the stuff he sent me. And then he sent me it bites once around the world which I also really liked is very different than the flower Kings, but I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, but then it was when five came out that I think I really latched onto Spox Beer, mm. So, you know, here there's five and then there's transatlantic symphony. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, this is what I want to be doing. This is the band I want to be playing in. You know, I mean, I realized I can't just jump into one of these bands cause they're already bands. But as there's, and I prayed if there's any way I could play in a band with these guys or a band like this or with some of these guys or something, anything, you know, I just constantly prayed for that yeah. for years. That was what, four years before I actually, I sent you, I think early on about 2001, I sent you a CD of some of my instrumental demos, uh, which I never heard anything back from. and uh, And then I finally called you that day and that's when we finally made contact but yeah so yeah here we are now 18 years later and uh, man
0: yeah yeah crazy and
1: out of all the albums we've made the the album innocence and danger is the latest one
0: <laughs> that's 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 a very familiar statement
1: <laughs>
0: it, it is it's it's the latest one uh, but, it's a really uh, good one it's a really good it one it is yeah, yeah, I remember uh, definitely feeling like the Lord was, you know, I I, I prayed about it very much, uh, and and still do, of course. But uh, back, you know, w- whether you should, I, you know, I didn't want so, you to drive out from Seattle, and then have it not be a good experience for you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember feeling like very strongly in the spirit, "Let him come, let him come." And then on the one album that was a thing I was praying about. I felt like I needed somebody to collaborate with. I then but I wasn't sure who. And uh I felt like I should uh bring you in and and you helped a lot with that record and so thank thank yeah, you so much time. Randy for all your help through the years.
1: Oh, well, you're you're most welcome. Um yeah. Um uh, it's been a true privilege for me to work with with you guys. All of you guys. Uh you're such an amazingly talented songwriter and you know mike is just he's an amazingly talented drummer but you know what mike is more than a drummer he's an entertainer and you don't see that in a drummer very often right you know yeah uh, to have that entertainer value uh that they can actually and he doesn't really come out from behind the drums too often but um but he can he he connects with an audience from the drum kit in a way that, I mean, there's drummers every bit as good as him uh, that don't do that. You know, Marco Miniman, he's a great drummer, but, you know, he's not the guy that's going to stand up there and MC the whole thing. He, he doesn't do that kind of thing. Neither does, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, and most of them. And you have a way with an audience. You connect with an audience very well. They respond to you. You know, and then to add talented players like Bill and Eric into the mix, and and I'm like, man, I get to be here. You know, I feel like I feel like I finally have my wish, and my wish was always be I wanted to be the weakest link of the band, not the not the strongest link. I was always the strongest link in my bands, and it was uh, it was a, very frustrating. And it's like, man, I want everybody else in the band to be better than me. Wow. Uh, I I just I wished for that most of my life. I just want to know what that would be like to be in a band like that. Well, I wouldn't
0: say that. I would not say that at all, that you are the weakest link, but, uh, you know, you're, uh, you're a great asset, tremendous asset in so many ways, as is Mike, you know, the producer aspect and the, the, you know, kind of mastermind aspect that he brings besides his amazing drumming. Anyway, Hey man, it's been good. I've been wanting to want to get you on this thing musicians good. having coffee and talking about stuff yeah yeah well
1: i'm thrilled that you asked me thanks a lot
0: yeah man. and i've been
1: i've been enjoying these i've actually been enjoying them a lot oh good, good. i really enjoyed the john anderson one <laughs> it was yeah great. it was great to see how you talked to him and interviewed him because most people aren't quite that
0: relaxed with him all right well god bless you and uh, say hi to pam for me will do